Greg comes up this morning, we want to take this opportunity. I'd like to ask Pastor Greg and Pastor Karen to stand, please. This is our Pastor Appreciation Month, so we want to, we have a gift that we would like to present our pastors this morning. So, as they're coming forward with this gift, if everyone would just please stand and show their appreciation for mom and dad. This is mom and dad. Amen. We love you guys so much. We love you guys so much. We thank you for that everything that you do for us. And uh, if we could do more, we would. Amen. <laughs> I hope you're proud of us, Mom and Dad. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. I'm so grateful and grateful for each and every one of you. And uh, I'm grateful that you're here this morning. God has good things in store for us. Amen. Hallelujah. So 10 years ago, we started the Arise. We call it conference or get together or basically it's become a homecoming. Uh, for people that are associated with our house that come together and we impart uh, things that they can go forth in their churches and in their ministries. And uh, and then we've used it as just a, a, a powder keg to ignite us into new seasons. Amen. And uh, every year it just has been tremendous. And so the first person we had do arise was Pastor Earl Glisson, who's with us today. And uh, he really set the tone and the temper for the entire, you know, 10 years that we have been here. And uh, so I thought it would be good and uh, pleasing to the Holy Spirit to have him be with us uh, this morning and tonight and uh, just set us aflame and on fire. God's done tremendous things in his life. And uh, we work together as staff members at Word of Life Fellowship, uh, and uh, he was one of the uh, catalysts that enabled me to be able to just be encouraged to do what God has called me to do, because there's no doubt that when God tells Earl to do something, he does it immediately. <laughs> and, uh, and I've always envied that about him and uh, I'm a little uh, I'm a snail uh, compared to Earl and uh, but I'm telling you he inspires me uh, I love him he's family to me and uh, praise God I'm going to have him come up and take all the time that he needs to be able to share what God has given him amen so let's give him a warm welcome as he comes up thank you Good morning, Manford, Oklahoma. Y'all doing all right? First of all, I just want to thank your pastors. They're so awesome. I mean, seriously, I don't know if you know how awesome they are. At the end of the day, you say yes, but I'm just going to tell you from their perspective, you do not know how awesome they are. Um, you know, because the pastors, you know, put up with a lot of stuff. And... Um, What's awesome about them is their commitment to do the vision, and they do not move off that, and that's rare. 
because a lot of people move around. Um, but when you get around those who stick, period, it's a treasure. I said it's a treasure. You know, and um, the people that are at the greatest risk to not value them is you. Not because you want to or you're intentionally doing it. It's because their vocal cords are familiar. And when their vocal cords become familiar, then they can become familiar and you miss the weight of the revelation. So I'm going to ask you to not do that. Because in these last days, the voice of your pastors are going to help you navigate some difficult times. They're your pastors. God placed you in this body. He asked them to be your overseers. They don't control your life, but they sure oversee it. Hallelujah. We'll set the tone quick. (laughs) I'll get them to hate me. (laughs) Amen. I'm telling you, I cannot stress the importance that they play in your life. Because they already know the importance you play in their lives. They cannot do it without you. They're only one person. You know, they're, as, when I say one, they're one flesh to accomplish. They're doing their part. you got to do your part. Amen? And so you want to value them. And this is pastor's appreciation. And so you should love on them, but not just in the month of October. You know, I kind of hate that they, we do that stuff, right? Like, oh, okay, we'll wait till October to appreciate you, you know? Um, you know, we should do it every time we come. How do we do it? Let me tell you how you can appreciate your pastor. Not only financially, you know, give a resources, but you should do it by being on time, serving, and being passionate about the division. There's nothing that makes pastors more excited than seeing those assigned to them actually come excited. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say amen anyway. Because it ain't going to get better if y'all don't get louder than this. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to get better. Praise the Lord. It's just a privilege to be here. Uh, again, you know, we've been here a few times through the years. I always love to come back and see the growth and development of Lake Church. As uh, Pastor Greg said, both of, we served on staff at Pastor David E. Mize Church, and uh, it was awesome. You know, I, I, I think I learned some things. I learned quite a few things from Pastor David E. Mize, but there's some things you learn not because they are directly taught you, but it's because you just pick things up. I coined a phrase when we started Anchor Faith Church uh, in 2004 uh, that I would say to our congregation, and I still say it to this day, I'll be a better pastor in five years. Um, Not that I'm bad, uh, but we're growing. You know, we expect the body to grow, the church to grow, but, you know, as pastors, we're growing as well. You know, and through the years, you know, as I've listened to Pastor Greg, you know, I mean, the depth of the things he teaches, I'm telling you, it's it's too big for Manford. That's why I'm saying you got to appreciate the gift because God will take it out of Manford and put it somewhere where it's appreciated. But it can go from Manford. It's too big for Manford. And so, you know, when you go through the years of just revelation and, and their love walk and the things that they do, you know, at the end of the day, you'll be a better pastor in five years. Because I can tell you, when I went on staff at Word Life Fellowship, Pastor Greg had been there for a little bit, and some have been there even longer. You know, and their conversation with me about Pastor David Emai was never the Pastor David Emai I knew. I never met that man. Because he must have grown. 
He was never things that were spoken of. Now, Pastor Greg didn't speak bad about him. I just want to settle that right now. But, you know, there were things that people would say. Now, I've experienced this with Pastor Hagen. That I've done more with Rama now that people will talk about him in his younger years. And the problem is, is they're viewing Pastor Hagen through the eyes of the prophet instead of what he really is, an apostle. Because he's the only guy who could take the word of faith globally. His dad could never have done that. See, his dad sits in a bedroom crying out to the Lord, I'm just one man, how do I get this message out? And all the while, the Lord's like, it's not your responsibility, that's your son's. And when I graduated Raymond in 2000, there was one school. They were starting to plant another one in Singapore. Now there are 54 countries with 288 Raymond Bible training colleges that Pastor Hagen did that Brother Hagen never could. But he became a better pastor through the years. So again, things that I heard of people of older generation than myself say about him, well, they don't know the man he is today. And, you know, when you stay with a ministry for years, your pastor will grow and develop. Which means if you've been here from the beginning, you could be saying something about your pastor that's 15 years ago. That's not today. So you got to be speaking in the now. You know, God says faith is now. God is I am. Well, your pastors are I am. They're right now. They're living in the moment. So let's. Let's, in, let's love them for what they are, be, what they've become and where they're still going. Amen. Amen. I don't know why I said all that other than, you know, I appreciate the gifts. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Your pastor was really generous to me. He gave me a lot of time. Uh, we got some products out there. We're really just here to, you know, sow into your lives. Um, wrote a book called The Forest. Uh, this is the DNA of Lake Church anyway. It's about the kingdom of God. Because the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. Right? And, you know, we know that there's quite a few churches out there that don't have that revelation. Uh, they believe the kingdom is heaven. When the reality is a government in the earth today that we function in, and we are those kings. Correct? Uh, so, you know, it's just a very simple way to prove that from Genesis to Revelations. If you've never picked this up and you'd like to read that or you know somebody that needs that, I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, this is for everyone um, uh, in here. It's called Lead Follower. This is Uncommon Leadership. You know, as I've pastored through the years, I realize that there's a lot of secular, uh, secular thoughts that have come into the church. And um, as a result of that, you know... Um, uh, we are communicating things that we think anybody can do, but we've been given the Holy Ghost and the world doesn't have that. So we actually have leadership that the world cannot have. And so as a result of that, uh, uh, I wrote this book out of the ch- uh, Acts chapter 27, which I believe is one of the greatest chapters in leadership, where a man full of the Holy Ghost led, even though his title was prisoner. Okay. And so uh, it's, it, in this world today, you want to be the lead follower in whatever sector of society God has you because he'll cause you to take over that area. But you're going to have to be proficient. And again, if I've said before, if anyone says, man, you're a great leader, then really what they've said is I've become very proficient at following the Holy Ghost. Wow. Amen. 
Because if I'm not following him, I'm doing nothing. Are you hearing me? Amen. So with that being said, I'm going to jump right in to our word today to kick us off. Amen. I'm going to light a fire in the next two services, and then it's their job to water it the rest of the way home. All right? Okay. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for Lake Church, first of all, that this was in your heart. That you saw this before the foundations of the world. That you'd send a man and a woman with a vision into this community. And you would, you would reveal your truths through that gift that has the ability to transform a whole community and people's lives. We thank you for that, that you're still doing that today. Now, Father, we thank you today as we minister, as we launch and kick off a rise. We ask for your impartation. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you that he is upon me so that I can preach your good news, the kingdom of God. And so, Holy Spirit, we make a demand on you to do exactly what our King Jesus said you would do, that you're going to cause things to come to our remembrance. You're going to guide us into all truth. You're going to disclose things to come, and you're going to guide us. You're going to teach us all things. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Before you announced his power, you announced his ministry to renew our minds so that we can function in your kingdom right here on earth. And so we receive the move of the Spirit this way. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit that's already moved through the gift of prophecy this morning. We thank you for that. But we also thank you for the renewing of the mind. We thank you that you are giving us the ability to get our minds straight so that we can function in your kingdom here on earth, bring heaven to earth through our lives. And we praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. So I encourage you to just amen, shout whenever you need to. I, I like it all, all right? Okay, if you have your Bible, turn over to John chapter 18, verse 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. I'll try to go relatively slower since I did not send scriptures to them, that way they'll have a chance to be able to put it up for you. Uh, but I hope that you bought your own Bible or you have your electronic device so that you can see it yourself. You should not be dependent on the screens. Uh, you should always bring things that you can take notes because there's things we'll say that you will not be able to get just through one setting. Amen? In John chapter 18, verse 37, Pilate says to Jesus, Pilate said to him, Are you the king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. I'm doing out of the New King James Version. For this cause, I was born. And for this cause, I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Amen? So Jesus says, for this cause. So I'm going to start out a rise this way. Is there not a cause? I mean, is there not a cause? Jesus said, for this cause, I was born. And for this cause, I've come into the world. You know, the biggest problem that we have in the church today is the church doesn't understand its cause. And when you don't understand your cause, we can say your purpose, right? We could say that. And then you'll inevitably do whatever you want to do. Because you don't understand why you're here. Jesus knew his why. Why he's born. Why he was born. And every one of us in this place right here should know why we were born. Not only why we were born, but why we were born now. And I just want to encourage you real quick right off the bat. Listen, 
the Apostle Paul could not do what you do. Elijah cannot do what you can do. Moses cannot do what you can do. Because if they could do what you could do, then God would have saved them for this moment. God knew exactly what was going to happen in the planet right now. He knew all the junk that was going to be going on. And he picked you to be the one in the earth to be able to handle all this kind of chaos. I mean, many of us, when we read the Bible, we're like, wow, you know, if only Paul, if only, if only. And the Lord's like, what do you mean if only? In fact, Paul's like, what do you mean if only? You're there. Because you understand, God knew the beginning from the end. God knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. God already had your life planned out. He already had it written out before the foundation of the world. And he said, I'll wait and put them when the world is like this. Why in the world should you be afraid? God picked the right people at the right moment to do something significant in a world that seemed like it's gone crazy. He, God's not crazy. He didn't pick the last scabs like, well, you know, let's just throw in these. That's not how this is working. God is putting the cleanup people in. The ones who can shut it down. The ones that can bring the power. Let me just say it this way. The next greatest move of God on the earth is not the harvest. It is the church mature. Is the church mature. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, whoo, that's work <laughs> to mature a church. Because you got to get rid of carnality. You got to get rid of infancy. You got to get rid of small thinking. You got to get people to side with God all the time. But yet God says he's coming back for not the lost. He's not coming back for the lost. He's coming back for the church without spot or wrinkle, which means if he's coming back for that, then we can have that, which means there's a group of people that have beat that. So you might as well be counted among the ones that are that. That's us. If anybody's going to be the church he's building, it might as well be this one. Good news is you're not alone. I know one in St. Augustine, Florida. Are you hearing me? But you're not alone. You're not the only people on the planet doing something. Even though sometimes it feels like we're the only people on the planet doing something. But it says, for this cause I was born, for this cause I've come into the world. And God did not put you in this time period by mistake. In fact, 1 John 3, 8, a Murdoch translation, don't know you'll have that one, but a Murdoch translation says it this way. And he that committed sin is of Satan, because Satan was a sinner from the beginning. And for this cause, the Son of God appeared that he might destroy. He might what? He might what? He might what? Destroy the works of the devil. Not cover them up. Not, you know, deal with them. They'll be destroyed ultimately when you leave your body and you go to heaven. No, he destroyed the works of the devil. 
devil ain't got jack on you. The devil's not even a threat to you. I mean, he is no threat to you when you know who you are and that you're a child of the king and you are a king of the king. And that you know you take up the king's cause. Because when you take up the king's cause, what can the devil do to you? What can he do? He's, he's come for this cause to destroy the works of the devil. And the work of the devil is very simple. is to get humanity to disobey God. That's it. Because disobedience puts you in unrighteousness, which can cut things off, which hinders relationship, which hinders all kinds of stuff, which hinders your faith, which hinders you having the heaven realm move into the earth realm. So he just wants you to disobey. And one of his easiest tactics is to convince you you're too tired to come to church. Say amen anyway. Right? You're too tired. You worked hard. Surely the pastor understand why you need to stay home today and spend some family time. <laughs> no, you don't know who you are. Your whole lifeblood is connected to this. This is life. And out of this flows life. I said it flows life. You're never going to thrive until you understand your absolute need to be connected to his body. So what he, the God is doing very significant things. And the most significant thing he's doing in the earth is his local church. He's passionate about it. Because if Jesus was sitting in this room right now, he would say, you're what, you're what I'm about. You better, but God wants the people to be saved. He does. But the only way they're going to get saved is if his church manifests. Because Jesus is the head of the, not the lost. So you want to know what Jesus is about? You. He's about you. And the devil don't want you connected to this. Because if you don't stay connected to this, then you'll lose your cause. Cause means a reason for action or condition. It's motive. Something that brings about an effect or a result. God wants us to do more. But in, for other, uh, in order for us to do more, we've got to be together. Uh, I told our church... Um, we are obviously uh, in a theater. We, we have, we're in six screens as far as the church function. And so I took two of the theaters that we combined as one. And statistically, well, I've gone to two services before because the children overran. We didn't have enough classrooms for the kids. It's never an adult issue. It's always a kid's issue. Went two services. I always hated doing two services, just to be honest with you. Because, again, you build two congregations. Right? So you're always fighting. It is true. You're always fighting. Now, what do I mean by fight? Well, there's only two fights that I have. I have the fight of faith and then the fight of culture. Because there's only one culture I live in. It's the kingdom. So don't be bringing your world kingdom in here. Don't be bringing your world mindset into the church. Don't think we're going to conform to your ideas. No, we're going to drive them far from us. 
But you know, when you get two congregations, you get the early church that all they want to do is come so they can check the box on off. Just teach me, pastor, so I can go and do the rest of the day. Yet I want to see the Spirit of God move, but you don't want the Spirit of God move. You just want me to teach and go. Well, I don't hardly teach anyway, but at the end of the day, you want to hear the message, you want to go. So you have to pull on the anointing to get the gifts to move. Well, then you get in the second service, you know, those groups want, they want the Spirit of God to move. You have to pull on the teaching anointing. So you're like, let's just get everybody together. So statistically, Pastor Greg, I definitely should be doing two services because of the adults. I am well past the 80% mark in our sanctuary. I definitely should do it. But you know what? COVID taught us some great lessons. You know what it taught us? That if you are going to protest, why does the world get to have the large assemblies, but yet the church is bought into the idea of splitting? Why is it that saints have such a problem with sitting right beside somebody, but OSU and OU yesterday had no problem sitting by complete strangers that they don't know their lifestyle, and they will high-five them, hug them, shout praises with them, but yet we come in like, well, there's just, uh, I wish we go to two services, just way too many people in there. I'm just so uncomfortable. I mean, seriously, what do you think would have happened with the George Floyd issue if they would have came together and said, now listen, we're going to have way too many. How many people are coming? We hear there's 25,000. 20, no, that's just way too. You don't understand the logistical nightmare. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pick up times. I want 1,000 people to show up from 8 to, t- to 9. Please leave so we can clear the parking lot out. Then we're going to come in and put another 1,000 in. Now, what kind of... What would the world have thought about that? Oh, they got 50 people. That's cute. That's what they think about most U.S. churches. Oh, there's, there's 50 cars. That's cute. And then the pastor like, we've got 1,000 people. We've got 1,500 people. We have, which I don't care about how many people you have. If they don't do the things of God, it really doesn't matter. But with that being said, I'm like, I told our church, I said, we're not doing it. I said, we're going to pack it in. I said, I don't know, Azusa Street all of a sudden said, let's run multiple services because there's the power of God's moving. Right? No revival shut down and went to multiple services. I actually was in the Brownsville revival and went and stood outside for four hours just to get in the door. Yet people are standing that long to go into a magic kingdom in Orlando. They stand that long to go to a, a, a country concert. I mean, the world has no problem, yet the church has bought into this lie. Because we don't know our cause. Because we think the only cause Christ had, Pastor, was to die on the cross for your sins so that when you die, you get to go to heaven. He's your personal Savior. Jesus did not come to be your personal Savior. He came to be your King. I've learned, because I've heard this through years, people say, you know, if, all, if just one person would have come to the Lord, just one would repent, Jesus Christ would have came. That's a lie. That's a lie. If none of us would have came to the Lord, 
he still would have came. He still would have came. Because his coming was not predicated on you accepting him. His coming was predicated on what God the Father said in Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Now God has spoken that. That is his will. That's what he expects. So when Adam eats the fruit, falls from dominion, now there will be no man in his image. So in order for God to honor his word, he has to send his son in the form of a man because that's legal interest to the planet. So that we would have the opportunity to be able to have what God said he would do. And whether we reject it or not, when we stand before him in a judgment seat, God would be able to say, I have given you the ability to be back in what I said man would be, but all of you rejected it. So again, God's not, does God know you personally? Yes. Does God want to know you intimately? Yes. But this is not about individualism. This is about a kingdom. It was always about sons and daughters. It was always about a collection of a group of people. It was never about isolation and individual. You are not going to go to heaven and have a little shack somewhere and everybody going to leave you alone with fat naked baby angels serenading you to go to sleep. In fact, if you actually read the Bible, you're not staying in heaven anyway. Heaven is transition. It's the reward system to find out what we're coming back to. Are you hearing me? What's the cause, man? I mean, there's a cause. Is there not a cause? I mean, everybody's got their causes out there. The woke cause. There's the uh, social justice cause. The save the planet cause. I, I, let me just give you, I will let you know. It's going to get hot. There is a global warming happening. It's definitely coming to pass. I mean, it's going to get really hot. And at the end of the day, I don't care if you go completely electric. There's a fire still coming nonetheless. Are you hearing me? Now, here's the good news. When it comes, we'll all be here. In it. Because he'll burn up the heavens and the earth. And he will have already dealt with the lost. They'll be in the lake of fire. So the burning is to give us our new planet. Are you hearing me? So, well, pastor, how in the world can we be on the earth on fire? Same way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can be in a fire. Really no problem for us. We're going to say burn it all. Burn it all. It's renovation. We're having our renovation day. Woo, I like remodel. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Amen. All right, y'all leave me alone so I can preach. Okay, Second Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You know, I'm concerned, Pastor, that a lot of people are coming and crying and asking the Lord to save them, but they really don't want his lordship. It's because they don't understand kingdom, they only understand heaven. 
You know, and I said this before, you know, and I'll keep preaching it this way, is that, you know, there is a religious side of Christianity. And the religious side of Christianity focuses on leaving the earth. In fact, it actually has the same gospel as the rest of all religions. Because it asks the question, where are you going to go when you die? Well, that's really a death gospel. Because this is not about where you go. This is about who comes to you. It's about destiny now. It's about who you become once you receive Jesus as Lord, not where you go when you die. I have no thoughts of hell. Hell's real, but I have no thoughts of hell. Because I'm not going. I've been redeemed. I've been blood-bought. I'm a new creature in Christ. It's not a part of where am I going to go. I know where I'll go when I leave my body. But I want that place to show up through me while I'm in the earth. Because I'm a child of God right now. And my daddy moved in with his spirit. So how can we house the Holy Ghost and walk around fear and trepidation and worry and concern about it when I got the greater one on the inside? This is like a foreign concept to me that a person can say they love Jesus but will stay up in their house masked up and afraid to enter out into the world. Foreign concept. Because you don't know your cause. You think the cause of Christ is to take you to heaven when you die. No. The cause of Christ was to give you dominion now. To rule and reign today. Are you hearing me? So, the New American Standard says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that God may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I was going to save this verse for tonight, but I think I'll read it because I came across it this morning, honestly, by accident. It's just part of our Bible reading plan for tomorrow. And I read it ahead. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. I should say it because of the word that it starts out. In Deuteronomy 2, 24 and 25, it says this, Arise! It says, Arise! It says, Arise! Set out and pass through the valley. And he goes, look, I've given you this king in his land. And his land's going to be yours. He says, begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. Why does he want the nation of Israel to do this? This day, he said, I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens. Who, when they hear the report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you. I'm telling you right now, when you pick up the king's cause as a church body, that all of a sudden you'll start going into battles in different places. You'll start picking on fights. Now, when I say pick on, if you read the rest of that, they actually first came in in peace and say, hey, can we come through? We're going to buy the water. We're going to buy the food. We just want to stay on the king's uh, highway and come through. So they offered peace first, but that uh, he, God knew that king would not obey the voice of God. So his heart's hardened, and he said, no, we're not, and they came out to battle and God said now we're going to put the whoop on them 
And because you put the whoop on them, then all of a sudden the rest of the people are going to be like, you don't want to mess with this people wandering around in Israel. And you know, the church has had no significance in most communities that the community is concerned about them stepping into places. We've got to pick up the king's cause. Because if we do not pick up the king's cause, we don't understand that some of the battles we face is so that God will put the dread and fear on the world because righteousness has shown up in the community. I mean, it's like we shy away from conflict. I'm telling you, pastors, we cannot shy away from conflict. We have to go into the battles he tells us because it will bring fear upon the natural realm of man so that they know we're here and there's nothing you can do about it. I remember the first time that this happened with me. I did not realize it at the time. It came later that God did a a similar principle with me that I was in the school. We set up and tear down for three years, started Anchor Faith Church in 2004. In 2007, we sensed in our spirit we needed to go. So we were looking for a building, found one, called the county, asked what the zoning was. It was uh, zoning that allows churches to be in that particular type of zoning. So we showed up, signed the lease, went from 2000 a month to 10000 a month, plus electric, plus toilet paper. Y'all use a lot of toilet paper. And you don't even live here. How can you use so much toilet paper? Paper towels, water bill now, right? So 10000 plus all that. So we're in it now. We're remodeling. It's going to be our first service on Sunday. And the Thursday before, I get the inspector of the county come in and say, you can't even be here. You're not zoned. Okay. Well, that was surprising. Considering I called the county. So I came forward. You know, the inspector's there. Shut down everybody that was doing this remodel in this storefront that we're remodeling. And so I said, okay, so, you know, so tell me what's going on. And, you know, he's pretty firm right out the gate, right, you know, you know, you know very uh, professional in this approach, making sure, you know, that I knew he had authority. You know, that's why his badge was like that. And he was standing with his hand here, right? So I said, okay, what's going on? So he tells me. I said, all right. I said, well, that's a little confusing. I called the county, and they said that I was. So I said, I understand, you know, just um, can you tell me who I need to talk to? And he goes, well, you sure are taking this news really good. I said, sir, you're just doing your job. I get it. There's no issue here. I said, I just need to follow up at this point. He goes, I've never had a pastor respond to me so favorably. They usually cuss me out. I said, well, again, I don't have a problem. I just need to have some direction. So he gives me the name of the zoning manager. The next day I go there meet with the zoning manager, and they begin to inform me that it's a PUD. A plan unit development is the actual zoning. And in that, they actually have a list of allowable uses, of which church is not one of them. Okay? So, obviously, I said, well, can I get a copy of this zoning? Right? And so she did. And so I called the attorney. I gave them that, and I said, this is what they're saying. You know, and I'm in a three-year lease, man, 10000 I mean, how am I going to get out of this thing? I mean, where's, where am I at? I know I didn't miss God. 
I just need some direction. Well, they came and said, well, Pastor Earl, there's this, you know, paragraph here before the allowable uses says if you meet the spirit and intent of allowable uses are those who meet the spirit and intent of commercial general, commercial intensive, you can be there. Then they list things and of which you meet the spirit and intent, so you qualify according to the first paragraph. I said, okay, great, no problem. So I went back to the zoning manager, sat down with them, and I said, hey, um, your paragraph here says this. I meet that. So we should be allowed here. And she said, well, we've never interpreted it that way. I said, well, that's okay. I'm in the business of changing people's thinking. It's really no problem. Right? So anyway, they come back, you know, and are saying, realize that they're in this little dichotomy. So they say, well, you know, you're really going to have to do what's called a major modification. You need to get your name added to the list. So I called the attorney back, and I told them. I said, that's what they're saying. He said, Pastor Earl, let me give you a federal law, the R-L-U-I-P-A. I know these things now. Didn't learn that in Bible college. <laughs> okay? <laughs> You'll never learn everything in Bible college, but it's not designed to teach you everything in Bible college. So you really shouldn't have a bad attitude with Bible college because it can't actually give you everything you need to know anyway. It gives you the foundation so you can get to know. Anyway, with that being said, I go back and tell them this federal law. Well, they still want me to do a major modification, which is $1,500. I said, I don't know why I'm paying $1,500 when the federal law says I don't have to do this because you're PUD. You have a like, you have a like nonprofit. Right here, the Moose Lodge is a like, and you're discriminating against me. That's why the federal law got into play. So then they asked me to go before the board anyway, ask for an exception. So I remember, I went before the board, right? And so they advised me, just tell them you're a church. You don't have any money, really, and you're asking for an exception. Well, my dad owns the planet, so money wasn't the issue. I mean, sure, I don't want to spend 1500 but it's not like I'm broke. And even if I didn't have an account, I'm not broke. So I got before the five boards and I, members, and I said, listen, um, you know, uh, we're a church, <laughs> We uh, are having to put, do a major modification to get our name added to the list because we're in a particular location. And all the while, I'm meeting in the building, of which my attorney says, I can't say they won't throw you in jail. But you have a right. And I chose to go on and assemble, nonetheless. Of which then they got me on a build-out issue because we were... Uh, occupancy of mercantile going to assembly and you had to have a two-hour firewall between us and the mercantile beside us that actually wasn't there because it was vacated. So I had to go to the back three, 3,600 square feet. How much is this? Okay, so half the size of this building. In fact, about basically where this is, we all had to cram into this one little section for a couple of months while I added more sheetrock to a wall uh, uh, to separate me from a store that didn't exist. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, but all the while I'm meeting. So uh, I stand before him and I say, you know, we want exemption. We're a church. I said, but if that's not enough to convince you, I have more. And I step back. Well, one of the county commissioners said, well, then go ahead and tell us what you have. So I fed, read them the federal law. Said, I, I shouldn't have to do this in the first place. They looked over at the county attorney. The county attorney looked back at them and they shook their head yes. So... Uh, they, you know, said that they would give me the exception, had to go to a 10-board PZA. It's all time, but I'm not paying. Now I'm just 
showing up. And every time I show up, Anchor Faith Church is running through the corridors of the county. Who's this pastor that is doing it different? Why is he picking a fight? How come he didn't get compliant? I get to the 10-member planning and zone agency. All of them unanimously says, I should be added to the list. Come back to the five-member county commission board, and one says, it's to our advantage that we allow this church to be in this location. I vote yes, 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 yes. And the guy that was in my district, that was over that district, says no. We won four to one. Didn't matter. We get added to the list as a use, and we drive on. Six months later, the county commissioner that said no was thrown in prison for embezzling money. Two years later, he killed himself. I leave that location and go to the location I'm in now. And I'm applying for permits to do a build-out. When I go to apply, a person's there, and they says, Oh, hey, Pastor Earl. I say, Hey, how you doing? You know, and I'm asking, you know, that's what we're doing. Here's plans. I need to do da-da-da-da-da. And they go, You know what? I was wanting to come to your church. I said, Really? Yeah, we've been hearing a lot about you. Oh, really? Yeah. But, you know, you created such um, a stir in the county a few years ago that I thought, man, I can't go yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because when we arise, we actually create a dread in the world. If we don't arise... For the cause that we've been given, then the world is not afraid of us. They'll, call, they'll say that we're not essential. Now, we already know we'll be persecuted. It's like my coach when I was, when I was in high school. Little guy, played flanker, and he said, he said, Earl, you're a small guy. I mean, I was fast, but I was small. And so I was better at the short routes because I had developed good hands. And he said, I'm going to put you on, uh, you're going to probably do a lot of hitch routes. You're going to do a lot of slant routes. And the slant routes took me into the middle linebackers. I'm the 120-pound guy <laughs> coming into the middle linebackers. And I'll never forget, we were in practice. I think I, you know, got hit, missed the ball or something. He said, or I was looking ahead, right? He said, look at me. He said, he said, oh, come here. He said, look, son, they're going to hit you. You might as well catch the ball. Right. That was good advice. So from then on, I just caught the ball. I didn't, I want no shake and bake. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. At the end of the day, catch the ball, take a step, take your hit, and we got seven yards. That's what's going to happen. And I'm good with that because we advanced it. At least I called, the, you're going to get hit. Well, let's go ahead and catch the ball. Let's rise to the cause. I mean, you're going to get hit. So you might as well catch the ball and advance this kingdom in the earth while you remain. Are you hearing me? So 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12 says it this way. And I'm going to read out the message translation. It says, these are all warning markers, danger, in our history books written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. 
Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. We are just as capable of messing it up as they uh, were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You can fall flat on your face as easy as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Now, you understand, we are in the dispensation that King David, the prophets of old, all the other kings are like looking at us saying, seriously? Now, Moses was probably the one most articulate about our moment. That when Joshua runs back and says, man, they're prophesying in the camp, man. You know, and Moses like, son, I wish all of you could have the Holy Ghost come upon you like it has me. We would have no problems like we have. Because if you would get under the anointing of God, then all this backbiting and talking and running off at the mouth and the junk that y'all do because y'all are lost and stubborn and stiff-necked, we wouldn't have these problems because you'd be under the influence of the Holy One. We are in a new and better covenant, Pastor, right? Now, we, don't, we aren't like the prophets of old that just have the Holy Ghost come upon us. He actually lives in us. He's actually made our spirit alive. We're not a dead spirit spirit with the Holy Ghost coming upon. We're a brand new spirit. We're in the DNA of God. We're children of the king. We have kingship on the inside. Our spirit man's been made righteous. We look like God. We're like the image of God again in our spirit. Then he moves in on the inside of us with his Holy Ghost to bear witness that we're children of God. Then he endues us with power. And you know Moses saying, are they seriously living carnal right now. I cannot believe that they can't obey him. This is amazing to me. If only I had had that in my generation. Got to know your cause. I mean, you're alive to God now. And how do you have any cause greater than the cause of Christ? Now, we'll give some examples from an Old Testament. It says this in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 21. Maybe I'll paraphrase a little bit for the sake of time. But again, Israel and the Philistines have gone up for a battle, right? And David leaves to give some supplies to his brothers, as you know. And there's a great giant of the land that steps up and begins to boast all these words against Israel. And everybody, according to verse 24, are uh, dreadfully afraid. Right? So... Obviously, the king says, look, if I can find somebody to go down there and fight this guy, we're going to do some awesome things for them. Obviously, David shows up, and he gives the stuff to, you know, the captain of the guards, to his brothers. And when he hears this, he makes this statement concerning Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defy the army of God? Now, his oldest brother's like, I know your heart, which was really his own heart. Why he's here, you need to go back and get with the sheep. But David's like, what have I done? Verse 29, is there not a cause? See, too many people take up their own cause and not that of the Lord. This is the problem in a lot of churches. This is why I tell our congregation and our staff, I said, we will never be reduced to a social service. Will we feed the poor? Yes. Will we clothe the poor? Yes. Will we pay mortgages? Yes. But we will never be reduced to a social service. So if you have a need, doesn't mean I have to meet your need. Because you may have a need because of your disobedience. And by the Spirit, I might not be able to give you anything because of your disobedience. In fact, there are 
16, I believe it is, 16 poor people mentioned in the Bible, and only four you're supposed to give to. The rest you should not. But most of us don't do a study on poor. So when we see something poor, we think, like somebody on the side of the road holding something. Especially the ones that say, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to drink beer. Well, God loves you, and you hand them something. What are you doing? That is not the compassion of Christ. That does not demonstrate the love of Christ. That continues to harden their heart. Oh, you don't want to hear it? That's fine. So the world sells its cause as right versus wrong. Or good versus evil. But our cause is life versus death. What our cause is, is the difference between life and death. Now, can it define good and evil? Yes. But you understand, we are in the generation where they'll call what's evil good and what's good evil. So when you try to get in that battle, that's not going to work. What you got to do is stay life. Just as Joshua said, I set before you life and death. Choose But if you don't know your cause. And most Christians are not much better than conservative Republicans. Which is the fastest growing religion in the U.S. right now. Oh, don't shout me down. I'm a registered Republican. But I have no problem registering as a Democrat. To go try to change the party. Because again, the party is based upon its principles, not just the people. And if they really wanted the party to change, enough could rise up. Y'all don't want to hear that. I mean, I love to get on the other side sometimes and do a sneak attack to keep some of them out of a primary. Because let me tell you what's happening in the Republican Party because it's so pathetic. And that is, the Democrats have learned that they go actually run as a Republican. And they give the mantra of Christianity, and we buy it hook, line, and sinker, but they have an alternative motive because their heart's far from those ideals. In our own county, we had a person run as the mosquito control. You gotta vote for a mosquito control person. <laughs> and they stink at it, bro. I mean, we still have mosquitoes everywhere. <laughs> anyway, mosquito control ran as a Republican because Republicans are so ignorant that they just vote party line and they never investigate people. Guess what? Our mosquito control, who's a Republican, is a lesbian. And she has worked her political position to try to get the county to recognize June as Pride Month. But the county won't do it. But she got in through St. Augustine Beach. And this past year, they did a proclamation. And she's a Republican. Now, if they would have studied her social media... Is there not a cause? 
See, people are taking up their own cause. It's easy to take your own cause and mask it. In fact, the Bible even tells us that the devil comes as an angel of light, that he'll come as a wolf in sheep clothing, and because the church as a whole is so ignorant because they just failed to actually read the Bible, then we have half the mess we have. But you have a great church that keeps you in the Word, that keeps you reading the Word, tells you to read the Word, study the Word, and don't take that lightly. Because worshiping God will not change your mind. Praying in tongues will not renew your mind. Attending church alone will not renew your mind. It's your personal reading of the word that brings mind renewal. And you're going to have to have it if you're going to function as a king. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because our cause is life and death. James 4, 4 says it this way. You have become spiritual adulterers. You are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Spurgeon said it this way, I believe, the one re- I believe that one reason why the church has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. Are you hearing me? David, in his day, faced the giant of his day. And we have giants in our day. In fact, it was prophesied this morning because he sure didn't know where I was going this morning. In fact, I didn't know where I was going until this morning. But with that being said, God directs our steps. And you understand there are giants of the world that are trying to pressure you to become its slave again. And so they want you to take its ideas, its ideals, its philosophies, its way of thinking and wrap a little scripture around it and think that you're actually doing something when you're losing your identity and you've lost your cause. I mean, I am so sick and tired of hearing a Christian try to tell me they're relevant. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, Pastor, we need to be relevant to this generation. Jesus never... Ran in the bars and got drunk with anyone. He never did that. He did not sleep around. He did not shoot up drugs. He did not cuss. The only thing that Jesus was like us is, number one, he looked like us because he put himself in the flesh. He was tempted on all accounts like us, yet he never actually sinned. He did not compromise his message, but he elevated his message that caused people to realize, I'm below this. And it started to pull on their destiny. It started to pull on their cause. It started to pull on the original plan of man that I should have dominion. I should be ruling differently. Why is the circumstances of life running over me? Why does it seem like the pressures of the world are always keeping me down? And when I see this guy, he's not even subject to those things. Even the Pharisees realize, and those of the general public says, this man preaches with authority. Not like the scribes. His parables were not to be relevant. His parables were hidden truths for those who were hungry. So that those who wanted to know could discover it. But those who didn't, didn't. See, who are the giants in our world today? Governments. News outlets. I mean, honestly, most churches feel like, well, we, we're just not going in. I mean, they have the mentality of holding on. Hold on. Lord Jesus, come. 
I mean, you watch Fox and you, li- you believe their newscasters more than you believe the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. Okay, can I go a little deeper here? I mean, this is a rise time. I mean, you got a rise about the junk you, don't, you think you're not in. How many hours are you listening to Fox anyway? And compare how many hours you're listening to their preaching compared to his preaching. Because all they're doing is giving you factual information that has tainted communication. Yeah, there are so many in the body of Christ that are rallying towards their cause and they don't even know the cause. And when we talk at work, we talk about what we heard on Fox or CNN or some social media outlet But we're not talking about, man, you know what I heard in church on Sunday? We don't know the cause. And we think we're helping Israel because we know more about what's going on in Israel through Fox News than we do in the Word. How can we compete against these global companies? How can we compete against all these news outlets? How can we compete against the universities that have taken over? How can we compete against, again, the social media platforms or the peer pressure at work? Right? How many got the death stare when you didn't want to wear your mask? You don't care about nobody? I care about everybody. Shut up, shutting up. Right? I'm still shocked I go through the airport today and see people <laughs> masked up. I'm like, dang. I mean, fear's all over their face. Now, if you wear a mask, you know, I'm not here to, I'm just saying you need to get with Jesus. Right, right, right. Are you hearing me? I know what this is about because when COVID hit in St. Augustine, The government, Department of Children's and Family, called our preschool director and literally said, hey, we need y'all to stay open now because y'all, some of our nurses that are in Flagler treating the COVID patients, you have their children. And we need you to stay open so you can take those children. So the state asked me to take their children, knowing that their mamas are in the COVID ward, they can come back and pick their children up from my location, and I can keep it clean enough for that, but I can't preach on... No. Now, we may have the best governor on the face of the planet right now, And he sure didn't allow, you know, ultimately didn't allow that. He didn't say anything initially. But we ourselves are like, well, we're going to assemble. Period. We're coming to church. It's what we're going to do. And so, you know, we can not do these particular things here. But we're going to assemble. Never did not assemble. Well, you could only catch COVID at Anchor Faith Church. According to the community. We had people driving by giving death threats. I hired a security team so they could walk out in their uniforms and their guns in my parking lot. 
I had people coming to the service filming me. That I would say, are you filming me? Just make sure you keep me in context. I had the news call and wanted to interview me on a Sunday. I'm like, tell them I work on Sunday. That's not a good day for me. But I have no problem meeting with them on a Monday. And when we do meet, just let them know I'll have a camera in the room too. Well, they didn't come. They came Sunday across the street. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how it happened, say the Holy Ghost, but not one of our church members hugged each other in the parking lot. It was amazing. I mean, we are the most touchy-feely church out there. I mean, about like y'all, you know. I mean, this ain't no, how are you doing? It's like, oh, brother. You know, I mean, it's all up in your personal space. If you like personal space, don't come to Anchor Bay Church. We'll be all up in your personal space. Right? But no, nobody hugged each other. Good news is we're in a theater. We had no windows, so you couldn't find us. That's why we're a cult. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, we are a culture, though, and we're not of this world. I said we're not of this world because we have the king's cause. See, most believers, those in covenant, are so afraid of the giants of the world that they are paralyzed to go fight the fight of faith. When you don't realize, when you arise, you'll actually cause the world to be at dread of you. Because they know when you show up, it turns, it changes. I told our church, I said, I'm so tired. Don't ever let nobody associate us as a praying church. Don't ever. I do not want to be known as a church that prays. I want to be known as a church that has answered prayers. Because every religion prays. You want to be different is that when those people pray, it actually happens. So if you want to go to them in prayer, you better know you're going to get what they talk about. You want to establish these types of, of, of um, a reputation in your communities because you are kicking the king's cause. See, when you take a stand against giants, they will look out of, you will look out of place. You cannot face giants fearlessly unless you have been trained. And aren't you glad you have pastors that are training you by bringing you into conferences to help get you to arise to the occasion? Because I'm telling you right now, the world's not getting better. But I don't need it to get better. But the church is getting better. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. I said the church is getting better. Let the world keep getting dark. It doesn't matter. The church is getting better and better and stronger and stronger and stronger. And no weapon formed against the church can prosper. The darkness can't overcome the light. Man, when you walk in the cause of the king, I mean, Jesus came to the planet with nobody saved. Nobody was born again when the king showed up. Was he intimidated by the ruthless, tyrannical rule of Rome when he showed up? No, he walked. In fact, he had no issue with Rome in the first place. He said, it's for this cause. For this cause, I've been born. Because I'm a king. Yes, he's the lamb. That was slain. He came as the suffering servant. He laid down his life so we could become his nature. A seed called the king's seed went into the ground so it would produce after its own kind. And when we get born again, we become of the king kind. And he says, the works that I do, even greater works will you do. Why? Because I'm leaving my seed in man. 
For those who call on the name of the Lord, supreme in authority, it's not a religious word. He says this, listen, you'll become a king like I am and like I walked in authority, you'll walk in authority because you have my authority and you have my name. And the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. Not against you individually, but the church. So you can't get, indivi- can't, can't get outside the church and expect you to have victories. Your victory is dependent upon your connection. We are jointed and fitted together to bring a supply. And the world's not shaken by your individuality. In fact, God is done with the days of just one person doing something. He said, no, I'm here to bring in the church. In fact, Kenneth E. Hagin said it this way. He said, the Lord brought the healing revivals not so that the church would, would um, uh, idolize the ministers, but that they would recognize what they all had. And it was thwarted because they idolized the ministers instead of operating in what I was giving them. He wants the church to mature. So in 1 Samuel 4, 17, it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at the appearance or the physical statue, because I refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Most are like, uh, most are like the world more concerned with the outward appearance while God looks at the heart. David was a worshiper before he was a warrior. The anointing on the one with a heart after God is a giant killer. When God has your heart, he will crown you king. Now let me say it this way. When I say heart, Jesus made it clear. How are you going to love him? With all your Did he stop there? No. But that's where most Christians stop. Lord, I give you my heart. They don't do the other. I give you my soul. They do not do that. Because they don't renew their mind. And they live by their emotions. He said, give me your, all your, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your, that's your body. Which means if you're working 40 or 50 hours a week for a job and you can't come to church then you're giving your strength to the world. It'd be better for you to call out every week if you're so tired at work than it is call out from church. It's time to arise. In 1 Samuel 17... David goes to Saul and says this in verse 32, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Samuel says, Man, you can't go against this guy. You're just too young, bro. I'm paraphrasing. David said, Look, I've killed the lion and the bear. This guy be no different. Right? And so he says, Here, take my stuff. (laughs) He said, Man, I can't take this stuff. At the end of the day, i got to go on what I can do. And he goes on and says, go, the Lord be with you. See, those afraid of giants will try to make you feel ashamed for standing up against them. Your confidence in God will strengthen the ones around you who are fearful. When you take up the cause of God, even the enemy's own weapon will become yours. I love that about David because David walks out with a sling. And the guy talks to him, he says, I'm my dog, you're just a stick, yada, yada, He goes, you come to me with the sword and the spirit, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> I'm going to kill you, cut off your head, 
Now I'm going to kill everybody beside you, behind you. Now notice he said, I'm going to cut your head off. Well, how's he going to cut his head off with a rock? So he's already identified what you're carrying I'm fixing to take. And we as the church need to be able to tell the government what you carry and we're going to take because we're the real government. To entertainment, what you're carrying we are actually going to take. The corporates, what you're carrying we're going to take. But you got to rise up in the moment with the cause of Christ because God wants his kingdom to be glorified. Now listen, there's so much that we will do right now and then he'll catch us away and then we'll come back in a millennial reign and a lot of things are going to look different in that thousand years. Make no mistake about it. But while we're in the earth right now, we can take up causes that will then empower. I remember when the Lord said, you're going to take this mall. I'm like, okay. I said, Lord, I don't need a mall. He said, that's fine. I need it. And so when I first started Anchor Faith Church, the Lord told me right at the gate, you can't have this size property. It's got to be bigger. So I never looked at a small amount. It was always larger. Didn't know what that meant. But I went 17 years renting. And in 2010, we came into the mall, took over the theaters. And somewhere within the next year, I started getting in my spirit. God wanted me to take the building. In 2015, I get a call by the owner, and they said, Pastor Earl, we want to talk to you about the mall. You know, we can't revitalize it. You know, nobody's wanting to come in and want to see what your ideas are. So I met with them. And they said, well, you know, we showed me this place that I could lease that I did lease later. And uh, because they like my money. And so I said, they said, well, what do you think, Pastor? I said, well, we want to buy it. You know how much I had in the account when I said that? Zero. So my account doesn't dictate my voice. But my king does. And they said, well, Pastor, oh, we've never sold them all. I said, well, we never bought one. So we negotiated the price. And then they negotiated a down payment. I had to come up with 10%. 11.1 million, 10% is 1.1. We got to raise it. Well, Hallelujah. And I'm not big. It ain't like we run thousands of people. That wasn't happening. I hadn't even broke 400 when I'm having this conversation. And I'm glad because God gets the glory. Are you hearing me? And so five years. Got it in contract. Got out of contract. They had hard money down that was theirs. That was part of our deposit now. But I knew it was my seed. I knew he couldn't keep it. Then I knew people started walking around, coming like they're going to buy it. I'm like, they can't buy it. And I would just go on the property and say, thank you, Lord, for 2121 US 1 South. It's ours. Because I was convinced, I knew, I was firmly persuaded that I'll take this land. I'll get this. I'll possess this. We'll possess this land. It cannot get. We got seed in the ground. They can't take it out from underneath us. Then when we raised the money and I called to meet, they're like, well, we think you should give another 10%. Well, the price has changed. So I went to the Lord and said, this ain't cut, cutting it. And so I went and I said, Lord, is, is this whole thing like a ram caught in a thicket? Do you, am I killing Isaac only not to kill Isaac? And you got a, a, a ram in the thicket here. Talk to me. Do you want me to continue with this or not? Should I just go buy property somewhere else? I can get 25, 30 acres somewhere else. No problem, Lord. And he says, son, you can do whatever you want to do. But I knew what he was saying. My plans for this 
property hadn't changed. And I knew there is no way on God's earth that I'll go buy another land and God will bring another man that actually finished the fight of faith and I have to drive by that property knowing that I had first right of refusal. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to disappoint daddy that way because this ain't about me anyway. And so I'm, and in it I realize this thing's bigger than me because this is a now in this time. In this, this ain't a Brother Hagen, this ain't a Pastor Hagen, this ain't a Lester Summerall or what they did. This is an Earl Glisten right now with God. He took the land. But God. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. Because he's still the same God. So I'm like, Lord, I need a plan then. I can't get to the owner. I'm having to go through everybody. And the Lord gave me a plan through our attorney. He said, Pastor Earl, you shouldn't have to talk to anybody but the owner itself. I'll get his address to his home. I'm like, and he presented his home address, of which I looked up it on Google Maps. I'm like, well, it's a nice house. <laughs> Felt a little, you know, stalkish there. <laughs> but at the end of the day, okay. Then I'm like, man, this, this is, I'm going to send a letter to his house. How's he going to handle that? Am I overstepping my bounds? I mean, I'm going to his personal address. But I got peace, Pastor. And I wrote a letter. And I sent it. Week went by. Two weeks went by. Nothing. I was driving home, and all of a sudden, the phone rang. And I looked down, and it was the owner. I pulled off the road, man, right then. Started talking. And he said, yeah, I've been out of town, da-da-da-da-da, because they had 31 malls. And, um, you know, let's talk tomorrow. I'll still sell it to you. So the next day, we talked. Same price, same down payment, better interest rate, and he's going to give me 50000 back at closing. Hallelujah. <laughs> but in this process, guys, I was like, but Lord, if I look at this, it seems like we just raised the money. And I know it's not enough people, so in the end, it looks like, you know, you did something with little. People wouldn't believe that that little bit of people could raise that kind of money in that kind of time frame. I get it. But, you know, there's just something natural. And I was out in the preserve praying. I'm like, God, I just knew there was a moment that's just, it's you. It's going to show you what you and you and only you could do. Because we had been talking, it's like our Jericho. You know, you're walking around to Jericho, and only God can do that. And I'm like, man. And I'll never forget, I said, Lord, where's, when are we going to get our, how, where's your Jericho? Where's the walls coming down? And I'll never forget it, Pastor. He said, son, you're Pastor Jericho. I said, Lord, Lord how, am I, how am I past Jericho? He said, how many malls have that man sold? I said, none. He said, I took down the walls of his heart to sell that one to you, and only I could do that. I just fell in the preserve, started crying. Because only God could do that. Here's the corporate giant. It holds all the pieces. And yet, just because you do the king's cause. Because God wants us in every sector of society. And he says, I'm raising you up so that you can get in every sector of society with my kingdom. And you're going to make this a gathering place through businesses. 
and community outreaches. And we bought it. And the crazy thing is, I couldn't have planned this myself, but our address is 2121 US 1 South, and I'm not you know, into numbers per se, but I signed December 12th, which we had been in the building for 12, we had, um, yeah, 12 years in the building. On the 21st in 2021. Coincidence? Maybe. But then what really blew my mind is when I realized in 1979, May, that a man by the name of Kenneth E. Hagen said, what is that sound of tramp, 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 trampling along? The next month, Earl Glisson, at nine years old, got born again, and he heard my feet before I ever was in the kingdom. And in the same month, they broke ground on the mall that I purchased. It was as if the Lord says, I'll start building this guy's church right now. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So I close with this. There's only one cause that we are to take up in this planet today. And it's the kingdom cause. And the kingdom cause comes through the church. We're like in an embassy. Just a bunch of ambassadors collecting upon the same place, hearing from the home country of how we are to affect the territory we've been assigned. There's no greater cause. I said there's no greater cause. Because there's a lot of people that are in the enemy's territory that he needs you to help get out of trouble. But if your job, if that sector of society is more important than this cause, your retirement, raising your children, Because if you're not doing the kingdom, you ain't doing a good job of raising your kids anyway. In fact, there's only two things the Lord asks you to do. Just two as a believer. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else. You want to be a better, y'all married? Are y'all married? You want to be a better husband? Seek the kingdom, because out of that becomes a better husband. You want to be a better wife? Seek the kingdom, because out of that becomes a better wife. Y'all have kids? You want to be better parents? Seek the kingdom, because out of it. Very simple. But many of us want to take up the cause of heaven, which is not his cause. Jesus said, repent, change your thinking, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus did not come to take you out of the earth. He came to get heaven in the earth through you because he knows heaven's coming. And the world can't stop it. Heaven's coming and the world can't stop it. Heaven's coming and the world can't stop it. You are the greatest move on the planet. It's the church of Jesus Christ the King. And nothing can stop you. And nothing will stop this cause. 
There's nothing I'm more passionate about. Because he said this in 1 John 4, 4. Children who belong to God, you have defeated these enemies. God's spirit in you is more powerful than the one who's in the world. You are the greatest force on the planet. And God's calling you to arise. But you've got to rise to another level. This week is to continue to download kingship. Authority. Dominion. So that when you're at work, at home, wherever, the kingdom goes with you. And you have all the resources of the kingdom at your disposal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's only one way to have this kind of dominance in the earth and peace. You must be born again. So with everybody looking at me, don't bow your heads. Don't bow your heads. Jesus Christ sits on the throne. He's the king. He's conquered it all. He came for this cause to destroy the works of the devil. He came for this cause to be king. And to give you his kingship while you're in the earth. It's the best country to run to. It's better than those coming out of Central America to the U.S. And they don't come under the cover of darkness. So don't bow your heads. Just go ahead and look around at everybody. If you're not in this kingdom, we're not smuggling you in anyway. Because we can't. You got to freely just come on. And the door is open. There's only one legal entrance in the kingdom. There is no illegal immigrants. They do not exist. There's only a legal entrance. It's a door. It's a gate. His name's Jesus. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, you've never said, I believe that Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. His blood was to cover my rebellion to his kingdom. And I want to be a child of God. I don't know that I'm right with God, and today I want to settle that. If that's you and you want to get in this kingdom, it's the best government. It's the best nation. It is a holy nation. It's worth running to. If that's you, you should just stand up right now and say, Pastor, I want to get in. Because everything else we're going to say for the rest of the week ain't going to mount to a whole lot to you because you're not alive yet to it all. But you can get alive to it right now this morning. I don't want to assume that you're in the kingdom. But if you have any doubt... Then you should stand. If you're a child of God and you realize that you are more consumed about what you're doing than what this church is doing. And you need to change that perspective. I want you to stand up and say, I got to repent. I got to change my thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm too lax with this thing called church. And I'm going to have to change my thinking. Because you, again, he, you are very, very cordial, very nice. You know, we want you to be here as much as you can. I mean, what else you going to do? Stay home and watch Netflix? I mean, really, what you going to do? Stay home and watch Fox News, find out what's going on with Israel? I mean, if you're not actively, actively employed during that time frame, why would you not be in the building? I'm not going to candy coat it. 
Because at the end of the day, I mean, why are we begging people to come? You'd be like, man, my dad loves me. He cares about me. The king has orders for me. I need to come and assemble. I need to hear God has set aside a week for my life to make me better and release what I already am in the world. I'll be there. So much so you actually should take vacation to be here. Take a sick day. Yeah. Just tell them you're sick of working. You don't have to actually be physically sick. It's called mental health. Yeah, everybody's getting away with it anyway. Say, you know, I need a mental health day. Because my mentality right now to be here is not where it should be. And I'm going to go get my mind refreshed. Can I get an amen? Take a mental health day, people. Get here. Be a part of this kingdom. And let's arise. I said let's arise. I said let's arise. I said let's arise. Because I know what God wants to say tonight. And I'm not going to say you miss half your life. You'll miss your life if you don't come. Because of what we're going to impart tonight. And I'm just kicking off. I mean, I'm just the icing on the, on the cake. I mean, you understand, you eat icing before you get to the cake. I'm just the, the sweet stuff. I'm the sweet stuff. It's really going to get thick. <laughs> I'm the sweet stuff. <laughs> Stand to your feet say, I am. A child of God. And I will. With all my heart. With all my soul. With all my mind. With all my strength. Be the king. In the earth. And do the cause. Of my king. Until he comes. In Jesus name. Pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Just be seated for just a few more moments. We want to give you an opportunity to sow seed into this wonderful ministry. And, uh, of course, you can give in the many ways that we have already outlined in our uh, offering. And uh, you can give through the app. You can give the old-fashioned way. The ushers have the buckets there. I'm going to pray. 100% of this will go towards Pastor Earl and towards the mission that uh, is a global mission. This man goes all over the world, and uh, he has a tremendous, a tremendous ministry that you can sow seed into and get a powerful return. Amen? Father, we give you praise. We thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for this impartation today. We go forth in your power and in your might, knowing that we have received a word from God. In Jesus' name, amen. Go right ahead. Amen? So we're looking forward to seeing you tonight. Six o'clock, we're going to be having our meal, and uh, all of the proceeds will go towards LC Missions. We had some wonderful, powerful mission trips that went forth this past year, and we've got more planned. Uh, The ladies came back from Uganda. We had Bob in the Philippines and just some tremendous things that are going on there. And uh, we want to support those missions, amen, and the various missions that we support. So, uh, you know, come eat with us. It'll be good stuff. Amen. Everybody likes chili. If you don't like chili, you're not saved. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so we're going to have all kinds of different things uh, available. And then tonight, 7 o'clock, powerful time.
come expecting to receive from the Lord. Come active. Amen? Amen? Now, if you don't know the Lord, he gave an altar call, but we're going to have ministers that are going to be up here. We also have these, uh, these altars here, these prayer benches. You know, the best way is to connect God on your own. Amen? One-on-one. But we also have people that can assist you in your prayers. So if you desire prayer for healing, prayer for deliverance, prayer for anything in your situation, we're going to have ministers at the close of service here, and you can come up and receive prayer. Amen? God bless you, and we look. I want to also tell you, get his books. He's got books out there, and uh, Joshua Clay is back there on the and say hi to him. Remember Randy Clay that was here just a few months. That's his son. Looks like his mama, so he's better looking. So just buy him up, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, and we'll see you tonight, seven o'clock.